This is The Union, the intersection between people, apps, and AI. We'll inspire and challenge you as we ask questions, uncover insights, and share inspiring stories about digital ecosystems and automation. Hey everyone, I'm Scott King and that is Chris Krause. Hi Chris. Hey, how's it going Scott? It's going well and thanks for joining this latest episode of the Union Podcast. We're going to talk about the AI outlook for this year, this year being 2024. Um, so Chris and I scraped uh, the internet. We picked 10 different articles that predicted um, different outcomes, different theories, uh, hypothesis of what AI is going to do in 2024. So we want to take you guys through that, let you know what we found and ask for your feedback. So Chris, any, you know, any opening remarks before we get started? Uh, I thought it was interesting because the the sources you found were some were software companies, some of them were news media, some people were consultancies. So it is they're diverse in what they um their backgrounds, and so I think it was interesting because their predictions to kind of follow in line with what they do, right? Yeah, and yeah. their core business itself. Yeah. So they, so I would say they're always skewed based on what their subject matter expertise is. Yeah, they definitely write for a specific audience. And I purposely didn't pick just enterprise publications because they would just skew the results. And, you know, everyone is worried about AI bias anyway. So I tried to remove yeah. that. Um, so we picked, uh, we picked sources from uh, IBM, the LA Times, PwC, Adobe, TechCrunch, NVIDIA, Gartner, Forrester, TechTarget, and IDC. And of course, I'll give you guys all the links that um, that yep. we read, all the articles that we read. Uh, but what we want to do is just give like a high level overview of what we found um, and then take you through some of the technical categories and AI categories and how they ranked at one level of impact and two, how many people agreed or disagreed with that. And there are some really interesting outliers um, that we want to finish with um, on the predictions. But first, Chris, let's talk about um, IBM. So IBM is a partner company of ours and they have a really good prediction article. Uh, what, you know, what was the flavor of the IBM article and, and what do you, what do you think they were trying to say? Well, what I thought was interesting is they're very enterprise focused. They talked about, um, deploying open source microservices. So their stuff was less about an individual tasking at the desktop, but actually, okay, if you make this a service, how can you apply it? across the business and the enterprise. So I thought that was interesting. They were very enterprise focused. Look at the big picture. Don't look at a, a single step, a single process itself. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that makes sense, right? That's their audience, right? Enterprise businesses, SMB businesses trying to install all types of different uh, software, hardware applications. I can't imagine mm -hmm. what the IBM SKU list is, but it's it's got to be big. Yeah, it's um, huge. Yeah. So and, everyone talks to Forrester and Gartner. Uh, they want to know what Forrester and Gartner say uh, because they must know everything about everything. So what, you know, I, I read the Gartner and Forrester and definitely they they gave us a little bit. A lot of the content was behind like a paywall or, you know, they did a webinar mm -hmm. and you had to listen to that. Um, so we scraped the basically the preamble to their big content piece. What What did you find interesting in there? 
Well, they were definitely focused on the individual and like a, a personal knowledge worker. So on individual tasks, talking about four individuals in a company using AI to accomplish things at their desktop or what they're doing, uh, they looked at there will be um, a difference between low cost countries versus higher cost countries. You're like how much traction you're going to get because a lot of times the saving at a task level is based on your hourly rate. And so their predictions always aligned with like knowledge workers, what people are doing at the desktop and that. So very focused on things that are tangible that people would see. Yeah, they, you know, I find that interesting because I would want them more similar to IBM than they were, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, and, and then, and then to juxtapose that, we, we chose the IDC. So IDC's article was a little bit longer and it's a little bit more of what I would expect an analyst to say about AI predictions, right? They talked about yeah. um, shifting from what you were talking about, the task level orientation, like how can AI help me write an article, create an image, you know, things like yep. that. They're really talking about shifting to outcomes, like think of all of the pieces strung together as a business outcome. And, and they said that was important, which obviously I like because that's what we do. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is they talked about like modernization. So a lot of their stuff was like, how do you use this to help things that IT would do, like testing, application development, application modernization? I mean, we've seen a lot of good examples of people talking about reading old COBOL programs with AI and generating modern Java code that does the same thing because people forgot what those business rules do from you know the, the 80s and 90s, probably still some from the 70s. So they, they, I think their focus was very um, tangible, but especially for IT operations. How would you use this internally to make yourself more efficient? And the outcome is if you can like modernize into modern code, then anybody can read it. You know, more people know Java and how to ma- maintain that than legacy COBOL or assembler and, you know, RPG and all those cool things like that. And so you know, that I thought this is... was. Yeah, that's interesting. So my father-in-law was a COBOL programmer at uh chase bank right and and they they he would always like i'm gonna retire and they would just keep paying him more and more money right because like hey nobody knows how to work on this stuff anymore like we need you to hang around so if anyone was worried about ai taking their job it's that one and that's a good reason because those guys aren't in the workforce anymore so we need to modernize all the uh modernize those applications yeah Great. Thank, p- thanks for pointing out that I have gray hair and I, my first job out of college is writing COBOL um, for batch jobs and online systems, Scott. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and we can't get out of the testing business. Like, I really appreciated no. that they were talking about software quality. Um, and so that is, that's always big, right? Because if something doesn't work, it totally blows your mind because you think the internet should work all the time. Every application should work all the time because... The consumer applications, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, well, not so much Twitter, that breaks quite often now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they, they spend so much time on software quality that that sets your expectations. So if you go to your bank, like I went to, um, I think Forbes yesterday. Forbes was down, uh, as, and which is why they're not in our, uh, our, our analysis, right? Because I was like, okay, I want to read this article from Forbes. The website didn't even work. So I was like, okay, moving on. 
That's right. what we do these days, right? Yeah. The other, so we did pick some, you know, more, I would say, I mean, still business oriented. It's still technical oriented, but uh, more consumer oriented articles from LA Times, Tech Target, uh, and Adobe, um, because those, those seem more like task oriented, like we were talking about. Uh, yep. What did you find out of those articles that was that was interesting? So I thought it was interesting, and I think Pricewaterhouse PwC fell into this category. Also, they were really focusing on okay, it's coming of age, but how do we deal with the ethics? And just you know, it's, it's something we've talked about. Will there be government regulation on ethics? Will we get guidance? How do you get transparency in what the AI models are doing? So they were they were talking about it being actually applied and used. But not about the how it's going to be used, but actually, like, ethically, how are we going to use it? What's our transparency we have to have? And so I thought that was refreshing to say it was kind of a given for them. People are going to do this. Let's talk about management. Let's talk about the ethics and the higher level um, of the use of the technology itself. So they were kind of, it was a given. You're going to go do this. How do we manage it in an ethical way? And so they weren't ever talking about preventing it and stopping it. It's so I thought that was refreshing to see. They're kind of it was a given. Of course you're going to do this. Yeah, yeah. Of course you're going to do this, but just where are you going to apply it? Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's why we kind of created these categories. So we took all of the predictions and put them in four different categories: um, the economic impact, the regulatory changes, risk management, and basically just advancements in the technology. Um, and then we measured that on the level of impact, uh, in our opinion. Right. Um, yep. but the, the first one was economic impact, Chris, and, and most of the articles agree, like there's a huge economic impact. There's a huge lift. Everyone is going to do this. They just have to figure out how, um, and then yep. there, there was like one outlier in this economic impact that I thought was super interesting but it wasn't a prediction for 2024. They put it all the way in 2027. Is that when, Yeah. Yeah, it's when Gardner said, okay, the national power indicator of the country and the GDP is how good you do AI. Um, yeah. What, any thoughts on that? Well, I thought it was interesting because 2027, that gives us the leeway to say solve actual power problems to have enough CPUs and cooling power to do it to actually figure out how we're going to handle the ethics and actually put it in production long enough. So I think that means that in from 24, 25, 26, people are going to be time on task implementing this so that in 27, there will actually be an indicator. Yeah. So I, I like the fact that they were kind of long-term and saying this isn't a flash in the pan, you know, not, none of the trough, the disillusionment, that kind of stuff, actually giving us a good long-term look. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Most of their predictions, if you read them uh, year over year, they will do this year and then they'll throw some stuff way out three, four, five years out. Um, and, and, you know, and then, and then they comment on that, like, oh, we predicted this and it didn't really yeah. happen. Um, well, so does the stem sense, but we yeah. do comment on that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, then the next was regulatory changes, and most everyone said um, there there's going to be advancements in AI regulations. You have mm-hmm. to look at this in terms of what is helping you do, how you measure those outcomes, 
and then basically how you version your models and bias and and all that. So yeah, um, so I thought that completely made sense. Um, there there weren't any really any outliers in there, so we didn't we didn't label any no. outliers because most everyone agreed. Uh, but high level of impact, right? Because you can only do what you can do. And then uh, risk management. I thought this was super interesting because there was way more content about risk management than I expected uh, when I started. So I'm glad we categorized all these predictions uh, with risk management. Obviously, the predictions will, um, you know, they stated that, um, you know, we're going to have to have advancements for how do you, you know, one, mitigate, you know, measure risk, uh, get more data, mitigate that risk, you know, understand your business. Um, but there are a couple of outliers. Uh, what were the what were the outliers, Chris? Do you have the chart? So, yeah. So one of them was actually AI risk insurance, and Forrester talked about that. So would we have something like AI insurance, the same way we have cyber insurance or health insurance or liability insurance? So will people solve um, the risk by actually applying an insurance policy to it? That's GRC one on one. Look, if you've got a risk, how do you mitigate it? Um, and then the other was the unionization. So this was really interesting to me because it would have never dawned on me that like IT workers and say like would actually join a union. We hear about like on the news lately, there's the pilot union, the, the flight attendants union, you know, there's UPS and, and the um, auto workers. And those people are actually like doing things. They're very hands-on tactical. They're providing services. They're building cars and that. But this was talking about, will we have unionization for people with intellectual property knowledge? And, knowledge? and like you mentioned, your um, father-in-law and being a COBOL programmer could be replaced by AI. Like, will we see unionization in the white-collar workforce around knowledge work? And it's, it's, it's kind of weird to me, but because I would think that most of the things are things I don't do well anyways. Like, please correct my grammar and my spelling, right? So... Um, so I was kind of torn on that, but they said, you know, that is a potential there. Yeah. Yeah. And then interesting that that was from, that was from Gartner as well. Um, yes. so they had, they had more outliers than anybody else. So I don't know what that says. Um, but obviously, you know, since, uh, the generative AI boom and everyone is super interested in all these different AI products, the the advancements in the technology, of course, everyone agreed. And they said, okay, it has a high level of impact, right? The most level of impact um, because we're going to change the way we serve like customers, right? Uh, yeah. And employees, uh, external customers and internal customers. But the big was the, the multimodal functions of AI yeah. and then the integration, right? Because if you have, we'll go back to that task level, um, you know, comment that we had um, at the beginning. So if you have tasks that are being supplemented with AI, but that's inside of a larger process, obviously you have to integrate those. And then the multimodal, yeah, I mean, imagine with the, the images and cameras and voice and text, and that's super, yep. super interesting. Well, if, so we know that, say, in a warehouse, they, you just like in an Amazon warehouse, you're kind of famous for this. You put like the seven types of Barbie dolls on different shelves. So you don't accidentally pick the one next to it, you know, picking the wrong model of things and that. So they, they purposely 
make their um, warehouse shelves random so it's easier for human to identify, oh, this is what I'm picking because it's definitely not the things on either side. And we have that in, like my doorbell camera. It doesn't matter if it's a home kit, it's a ring, it's an Arlo. They've had package detection for years, right? So I get a notification, you have a package versus, you know, someone's at the door or who's at the door, things like that. So I think that those type things, and NVIDIA talked about <gasps> robotics, those are going to come together, right? So we're going to see not crazy, crazy things like I'm going to walk into the gap and they're going to identify my size and tell me what to buy. It's going to be very practical. Like if we say we're going to get better with AI and robotics, can I identify the product it's picking up? Is it doing, is it getting, does it know which, um, with the difference between a breaker box and a light panel and how to flip something or things like that. Um, I, I guess that's what NVIDIA called the space race because there's, there's a lot of things where AI can enhance robots. Um, so like when it's welding a car, could it pre-identify the frame of the car, you know, the model of the car versus being told. So there's probably a lot of very practical things there that we're not even thinking about. Yeah, like, um, you know, back in the 70s and 80s, you didn't want to buy a car that was built on a Monday or a Friday. Uh, oh, never. Because either the, the the unionized crew, so here we are, the union again, the unionized crew is either tired on Monday or they're looking forward to the weekend on Friday. So those cars yep. just weren't built well. Like uh, AI would solve that problem. Um, but yeah, the NVIDIA, uh, of course, I mean, they're making the chips. Um, there's a huge demand for that. Um, and of course their view was very like hardware and then, you know, embedded software related. Um, I did, you know, you're talking about the robot. I got a demo from the IBM innovation lab, um, mm -hmm. here in town and they had one of those, the yellow dogs. What is it? A Boston dynamics. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. but they had programmed one of these dogs to walk around a warehouse, not an Amazon, it could be Amazon warehouse, like you mentioned, but they were looking at the, um, the pressure gauge and the quality gauge on fire extinguishers. So mm -hmm. instead of a person running around, they just said, okay, dog, uh, you know, I need the needle to be in the green. Here's a map of all the fire extinguishers go. Um, dog never gets tired. The dog just goes and yep. collects the data. So I thought that was super interesting. So of course, a you know that is multimodal. I've been taking you know the image, reading the the offline device, right? If you had an interconnected yep. internet connected, you wouldn't need that. But but a fire yep. extinguisher, you don't really want it plugged into the wall, um, right? That's and that that doesn't hose. seem scary to me. Like that's very practical. Like yeah. hey hey. Robotic dog, look at all the fire extinguishers, check the gauges, let me know if any of them need to be recharged or replaced. That that doesn't seem scary to me at all. That seems very practical. So, you know, in every movie, the robots are going to come smarter and kill people. But in that case, it's actually something I, I wouldn't, doesn't bother me at all, right? No, 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 there's no... So I, there's, I would think that... The, I think another way you could see that is um, the local gas company, when they inspect the meters, actually people walk around with the sniffing machines, house to house to house to house. And they say the crew, they say they move from town to town across Texas. And so, so they can only do it like every other year. But I was like, one of those robotic dogs could actually hold the sniffer, walk up to every gas meter, test it and go to the next one really quick. Mm -hmm. So, you know, would that take away jobs and people or just let them focus on okay these are the ones that flagged double check the ones 
that have a problem. There's probably a lot of really cool things in robotics. Say this is a type of, this is an electric meter. This is a gas meter, things like that. And actually do some simple tests like that. Yeah. Yeah. They still, they read by water meter in the street. You know, a person walks by, they take mm -hmm. the lid off and they scan it with a, some type of optical device. Um, yep. You can't do that for long, walking around bending over every day, a thousand yep. times. Um, yeah, you should have a robot do that. Uh, but the old infrastructure, like newer buildings, right? They can read it in one spot, but, um, yep. you know, the older neighborhoods, every, all that is disconnected. All right. So we went through, um, you know, what we learned from all the different sources. We talked about the, uh, the different categories who agreed, who had outliers. Um, any closing thoughts on, you know, what, what should people listening to us, hopefully they're still listening. Um, what should they do in terms of uh, looking at AI, either from a task level, from an outcome level, uh, from a conversation level? You know, what, what's your recommendation? Well, everybody agreed you need to do something. It's, it, this is, we're starting to operationalize this, whether it's at the task level or the enterprise level. So this is no longer science experiments we're talking about. We're talking about deploying and getting things done. So in 2027, we'll have major economic impact. So I thought that was interesting. And uh, like Scott, remember we talked to a, a group of um, at an um, investment firm, and they're like, you know, a robot's going to take over the world and kill us. It's like, no, no one's actually predicting that. They're actually predicting AI with robots doing helpful things. And so we're this isn't going to be, you know, Big Brother looking at us and those type of things. Everything, no one had big fears. They were very, let's, we're going to do this. We need to put ethics behind it, but it's going to help people do tasks. It's going to help you come to an outcome in the enterprise. It's going to help you rewrite and modernize applications. I thought everything was very positive. So we don't have to worry about, you know, Skynet proverbially coming and getting us. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I do remember uh, the the meeting at the investment firm. They they did talk about robots and, and half of us giggled about it. But what I thought was really interesting is they took the next level and they thought about the, the unintended consequences because they said, we're all going to do this. And then, okay, what happens next year or two years down the line and three years down the line? Like, like our, our business like supply chain, especially a talent supply chain, is going to so significantly change. We don't understand how to work that. Um, yeah. So that was super interesting. That's what no one, like, no one in these articles talked about talent and skills. Yeah. No, the, the change of reskilling, how are you going to, how do you reskill people? You would have thought that would have been a prediction that there would be a market for reskilling people, but they really didn't talk about that. Now yeah. that you say it. Um, so, yeah, if you're listening and you want to be into that, I think uh, someone should should start should start a business yeah. or you can go on the internet and find all the, the AI, you know, prompt gurus. You can buy their class for $25. Um, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks. Um, this was a fun project. Um, we actually used AI to, to look at all the different categories and scan all the articles and come up with some summarizations. So that was a super helpful exercise. Um, and I, I really appreciate your outlook on this uh, and your advice to all our listeners. Thanks, Scott. All right. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Union. I hope it was insightful and caused you to think about how you can influence technical advancements at your company. 
please subscribe to the Union Podcast Series on your favorite podcast player to listen to past and future episodes. If you have a question for any of us or have a suggestion for the show, please email me at scott at Thanks for listening.